Hello and welcome to our brand new podcast, Have a Seat with Itik. My name is Christy. And my name is Benjamin. So yeah, uh, now have a seat, be all ears on and join us in our new journey as today on our first opening episode we will be talking about cryptocurrency, a topic which has become a hot topic in recent years. I don't know if like uh, you recall, but just some years ago, I remember myself hearing people talking about cryptocurrency and buzzing so much about it. And for me, it was such a new thing back then, but looking at it now, it is such an interesting topic and for a good reason. Because actually, cryptocurrencies provide an alternative to traditional forms of currency and have the potential to change the way that we conduct transactions and store our wealth. However, uh, the volatility, which is like directly uh, induced in uh, cryptocurrency, makes it such an unpredictable uh, market, different from the traditional markets that we are used to. And now we are wondering why cryptocurrencies still seem to be so attractive, even if they are so unpredictable. And to discuss this, this issue today, we have invited Tiago Pratas. Thiago is a DeFi, so decentralized finance business developer and an expert with a lot of passion for crypto trading. And by the way, was also a member of ETIC during his master's studies here in Lisbon. Thiago, thank you for being here. Hello, guys. My pleasure. Welcome, Thiago, in our podcast. We're very happy to have you here. And uh, since you like are so much into cryptocurrency, we are curious, like, how did you first get interested in this topic and what drew you to it? Yeah, I think everybody starts going through the rabbit hole with Bitcoin, right? I yeah. think I, I entered, I, I'll say the first time I bought Bitcoin or I started to gain interest on this market was with Bitcoin like 2015, 2016. I think it's just you know, this curiosity out of this sort of alternative system and Bitcoin was way more underground than uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, as, as we speak, right? It's too, yeah. too many mainstream, you see Super Bowl ads. So, um, yeah. but back then it was just this curiosity about these different alternative monetary systems and really going through the rabbit hole of what is money, what is the role of the central banks in all of this, yeah. uh, what is inflation and why it affects us all. And uh, yeah, how Bitcoin might be a solution to you know certain uh, problems that our central banks and our currency and our fiduciary currency have. I think it's how it, it has started. Mm -hmm. And how did it go? Like your first time that you tried to? Well, it was way difficult back then to buy Bitcoin. Um, you know, the easiest way was to buy peer to peer. So you need to have another user that was willing to sell you Bitcoin. And you need to yeah directly buy and sell from him. Um, so now you know things are way more evolved, which is normal. You know when institutionals are coming in, everything is more retail friendly. Uh, this also comes with other concerns that maybe we can discuss here or not. But yeah, um, yeah now things are way easier, are way more mainstream. Everybody talks about it. Everybody skews about it, and uh, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, but as you said, like uh, volatility, like it still has like its own, people are not so sure about it. So what do you think in terms of the risk of inventing in this type of currency? Um, well, yeah, like maybe Bitcoin has, you know, le less volatility than before. The market is becoming more structured in the sense that 
the more and more you have market participants that are institutional. So in the end of the day, they behave in a way that's more predictable. And you know, especially now with all these market makers coming to the play, like coming to this play field, is really trying to stabilize uh, mm-hmm. the volatility. And this is a thing that happened. Also, the fact. Uh, not only this, like the, the the market microstructure is more stable, and but this is a thing that is actually quite studied. The fact that all these markets are uh, having and becoming less volatile, but it also comes to the fact that you know uh, Bitcoin uh, as uh, halvings, right? So basically, each four years or each around four years, because it's dependent on the, the block time, yeah. uh, you have an halving where you basically slash the amount of Bitcoin that's produced. And, you know, for people in economics, this is basically a supply shock, right? So Bitcoin from each four years has a programmed supply shock, which, of course, will affect the price and cause volatility. But as we go and progress over time, these supply shocks will be less and less uh, relevant, right? Because it's you just alv the alv. So, um, yeah, like this should be resulting in this volatility, which is what is indeed observed and uh, yeah, like I did my master thesis in volatility of Bitcoin, <laughs> so okay. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm free to talk how much about it, how much you want about it. Yeah. I was actually um, getting curious when I saw that you wrote your thesis on Bitcoin volatility and the potential of deep learning in that field. Yeah. Is that actually a kind of measure where you could um, predict volatility of a cryptocurrency? Um, let me see. Can I be truly fully honest here or <laughs> how much filters can I put on? But yeah, yes, so please. basically so basically my thesis I basically compared like traditional econometric models uh, with machine learning models. So to forecast Bitcoin's volatility. Basically mm-hmm. this was my, my thesis. The thing about academia is that um, you need to do things in a certain way that might result in models that are useful, but they still are able to contribute to knowledge, right? So basically the machine learning models that I produced are useless and completely useless, but they are still better than the traditional econometric models. So that's still an improvement over the current knowledge and the current, you know, most used models to predict volatility across like the economics uh, researching field. So this doesn't mean that the models that I produce are useful. They are honestly completely useful, but they are still like way better at predicting volatility with way less error uh, than the traditional econometric models. The thing is, yeah, like, like because of the way things are structured, like the types of variables and the type of models you use need to be like already justified in literature. So maybe also if you are uh, thinking and considering uh, about your thesis and your master thesis, this is the thing you should be aware of. Because for instance, we know that uh, you could bet on volatility, right, with options. So basically, the price of volatility is. Um, you know, being priced as we speak. Uh, every second somebody is betting uh, on, on, on volatility. So, and this is the thing we know, like if you trade on the markets and if you understand options, you know this, but you know, arguing to introduce this type of variables within your model, uh, you know, the quest, the first question that we will make is, yeah, sure, but wh- why are you doing that? Where do you come up with that? So uh, you need to go to more classical approach and more safe approach that, yeah, may not produce the best results, but it is what it is. I think that's there in the future there will be some interesting fields regarding deep learning and market predictions not only for cryptocurrencies but also for for the more common um stock markets but yep. we will see that. Yeah, let's see. Okay. That stands for like 
on the future, what will happen. Um, and okay, like we understand that uh, there are like better models now and the volatility like you underlined is not like such a big um, issue. But still, uh, many people argue that cryptocurrencies are a bubble which is waiting to burst. While for others, it is more like a legitimate thing. Where do you stand on this side of the debate? Like, what do you think? Will it be like a long-term thing or it will just... Yeah. So I think like the, the most important thing, uh, which I always like to tell, is the fact that Bitcoin is still an experimental technology. So um, the truth is that we don't fully know if it's the solution for the problem. And the problem is we have a monetary system that it's corrupt and it doesn't make much sense. Basically, you know, central banks uh, just print money out of thin air that basically creates inflation, right? You know, for instance, the on the US, 30 or 20% of the US dollars were minted on the last couple of years. And this is, you know, affecting everybody's lives, you know, like, for instance, on the house market, everybody complains in Portugal about the prices, yeah. but nobody, you know, just forget. I think everybody forgets that you get, you got in negative interest rates for like 10 years. And this basically allow people to buy houses for, for cheap. But what basically negative interest rate means is central banks printing money. So, you know, and the, the most scary thing to me is the fact that none of these uh, economic uh, how do you say, like policies that are based on an actual economic theory, right? Like even Keynes. So in theory, like the negative interest rates should be uh, a Keynesian theory where, you know, basically on the the value and the amount of your interest rates, you are more uh, propensed to consume or save. But even Keynesian theory and even Keynes himself told everybody that, you know, this model doesn't work if you have negative interest rates. So, you know, basically your current like modern economic theories based on nothing much. And I don't believe that it's going, it's going well, right? It's just a debt bubble that is also going to burst. So the question I ask you is actually, what is the bubble here? Right. And because I believe that fiduciary currency are the bubble here. Now, if you ask me if Bitcoin is a solution, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is, it's just a experimental technology to face this, uh, this issue, which I believe is, you know, one of the biggest economic concerns that I have is the fact that we don't have a fair system of, of money. But if Bitcoin is a solution, I, I have no clue, right? That everything is uh, experimental technology, but so far uh, it has been the, the most interesting technology to solve this, this issue, which I think it's, uh, yeah, meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you think it could be, or it has the potential to revolutionize the financial system in a way and create maybe a more equitable world? Or is it something yes. that will exist next to the um, regular financial system that we live in now? Yeah, both. But you could also live with a regular financial system and you are still able to revolutionize the world, right? I think the, you know, I, I work in DeFi, right? And I, I, I feel the majority of people don't even know the kind of DeFi innovation is going on there. Like you can make a loan, for instance, in a truly decentralized way where everybody participates voluntarily and you have all the incentives aligned. You can have insurance, uh, you could trade, you could create a trading pair uh, with a very specific kind of order book uh, in five minutes. You know, this is truly revolutionary. This is technology that is revolutionary uh, by itself. And, you know, like 
two, two billion people don't have access to a bank account, right? Uh, and yeah, maybe Bitcoin is not the, the the right way to do that, but this is a meaningful product, that, a problem that we face today. And the cryptocurrencies are and will be the solution for this, right? Uh, because the, the fact that you can just open a bank account that you control and you are your own bank, it's okay. really powerful and meaningful. And yeah, maybe people forget this, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not so like uh, known in the major public and major people. Yeah, and I understand like the majority of things are really niche as well, and yeah. Bitcoin hasn't gone mainstream yet. But um, yeah, I think it's already revolutionizing the way we see things, right? You need some, like, uh, banks, I, I mean, it could be just a, a coincidence, right? But uh, before Bitcoin existing and really like the hype of, of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it will take you a couple of days to do a bank transaction, right? Yeah. And now it's instant, right? So, you know, financial institutions feel the competition of this technology and they are also trying to improve uh, their services to cope with them. Not only this, but, you know, you also have like the central banks trying to do uh, CBDCs, which is, uh, you know, a central bank digital, like uh, stable currencies. So I, I, I feel the the banks and the institutions already realize the potential and are trying to adapt to it. Um, now, if they're going to do a great job and just, you know, deterpret the, the core ideas of having such systems, it's a different story, but they're already... so. Cryptocurrencies are already changing. It's not a question if they are going to change. Cryptocurrencies are already changing the current financial system and the current world we live in. Yeah. Yes, we are. But let's uh, let's say that they like change the whole uh, financial system and it becomes mainstream. Still, there should be like some regulatory measures. Of course. Of course. What do you think that uh, some changes in terms of regulations could be in the future? to ensure the safety and the stability of these types of currencies? Well, it really depends. Um, it really depends on the type of things you are talking about, right? Um, mm. You know, this is such a vast world with so many different applications and stuff that you can do that you need to, to check it out on a, you know, case-to-case -case basis. But, you know, for instance, yeah. you know, the FTX case could be avoidable, right? Like the Celsius guys could be avoidable. Um, so, you know, of course we need regulation to just, uh, if you are a company offering such services, you need to be regulated by your entities, right? And I, I truly believe that, like, my question is more if these regulatory bodies are able and capable of really truly understanding how these protocols work and how these products work in order to actually regulate them in a way that they are just not destroying all the innovation that it's happening at the moment. But, um, you know, definitely FTX could be avoidable if you had actual regulation for exchanges, for instance, right? So of course, this is a thing we need in order to avoid bad actors. And I believe it also adds more stability to the system and the, the ecosystem. So, We have um, El Salvador as the first country, I think, in 2021, when they accepted uh -huh. Bitcoin as the, um, as the nation's mm -hmm. currency next to the dollar. Yeah. And yes. um, do you think that 
more countries could have a coexistence of a cryptocurrency as their national um, currency or yeah. would it adapt in a way that maybe in the future we have um, cryptocurrencies as the main currencies and then the common financial currencies on the site? Yeah, I think that's... Um... Of course, it's great to have a company, a country accepting cryptocurrencies are, you know, their their main currencies and legal tender, and that's a, a huge step for crypto, right? Like 15 years ago, absolutely, yeah. Or sorry, like 10 years ago, nobody would be expecting that, right? My question here again is about the core values. I think it's about freedom. At the end of the day, for people or anybody to choose what they want to choose, and not any government be forcing them out to use any certain kind of currency, which is what was happening in El Salvador, where, yes. you know, people were forced to use a currency they don't want to. And this is also like totally opposed of the ideals that I share within cryptocurrencies. And, you know, everybody should be aware of that. Like in the end of the day, what I truly want is for people to have freedom to use the currency they, they want to and pay their goods in the currency they want to and just have freedom to you know, be happy and use all this financial innovation to have a better life, not uh, yeah, the opposite. So, of course, it's really quite bullish if like all the countries starting to using cryptocurrencies, but I think we already are seeing that in a different way. We are seeing that with, uh, you know, for instance, some of the countries are starting to tax in cryptocurrencies. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because it basically just legitimizes their existence. Mm -hmm. So basically now they are part of the Portuguese legislation or the German legislation or the European legislation. And this just gives them, you know, more strength and the, the strength in the, in the sense that, you know, it basically means that these types of asset classes are now part of the financial system, of the economic system, of the legal system. So um, there's different ways to promote that adoption. But I don't believe that forcing people to use a currency they don't want to is the way to go. Yeah, uh, but like in any other case, when a new technology, a new type of thing comes in, there is always like another actor which like suffers from this thing. And in this case, it's the banking system. And many people uh, fear like um, the reaction of the banking system. Do you have like any insights of how the banking system uh, could adapt to these changes? Yeah, I mean... They already been trying to be in part of this, right? Uh, yeah. Like Goldman Sachs, for instance, already has an OTC trading desk for cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know, you have a lot of institutional players coming in to market make these 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 assets. So I think institutions are already adapting to it, right? Because they they can they can stop they can stop this, right? It already has started. So um, they're just trying to understand how can they can better improve their their systems. To, to, to adapt it to, to, to this technology. But um, yeah, let, let's see, like, I, I hope it's just a corporate thing. I don't, I, I'm not like an extremist saying that, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies are uh, here to destroy the banks. I think the, co yeah. the co cooperation is the way to go mm -hmm. because um, yeah, in the end of the day, it could be beneficial for everybody. And especially banks that has like the more access to the, the retail base. They are important and a core part of this. So, um, yeah, it's just really, yeah, it depends on what they want to do. But I think cooperation is the way to go here. So uh, they they do well when they try to adapt uh, these yeah. systems to their own. Yeah. So they could both survive and yeah. go further. 
exactly. That's an that's an interesting point because we see so many new cryptocurrencies on different technologies uh, evolving. Yep. And do you think that in the future it could be possible that you have so many different players, so many different cryptocurrencies, whereas now we have not that many players in the traditional banking system? Do you think that cryptocurrencies will be a part of the, or the uh, traditional banks will uh, create their own cryptocurrencies and then again be the yeah. only players in that market? Or will it be uh, just a vast amount of different currencies that are existing Yeah, like, um, not sure if they're going to create their own cryptocurrencies or not, but I know that, you know, Visa, for instance, is already testing out uh, blockchain technology to, to process their payment transactions, right? And, um, you know, in the end of the day, what matters is competition and everybody just competes to each other to see uh, what works and what doesn't work. So, uh, yeah, not sure if I answered your question. I'm, I'm wondering if there is, um, will there be one currency for example the bitcoin that prevails over any other currency or do you think that they can coexist i don't know i don't i have no clue um i have no clue and nobody knows right <laughs> uh, you know bitcoin is the it was the first one but who knows if bitcoin is really the best um you know alternative monetary system if it's not any other like we don't know and it's impossible to know this is such a recent technology everybody's just testing out new stuff new crypto and new technologies you know out every week so mm -hmm. um yeah what i want really is just innovation going on without much barriers so you know we can go fast and break things and see what functions and what doesn't function for instance you know with the luna we just figured out that if you're trying to do a stable coin you shouldn't do it algorithmic like luna did so you know um for me what's more important than knowing if bitcoin is going to be the queen forever is more about building and have low barriers to build uh, what you want to build when you want to build uh, so yeah. mm -hmm. and like a new player could always come in like who knew that uh, today we would be browsing more on uh, like open uh, chat than google so i think we never know as well yeah um but now me also included like um I heard of this so many times, but I never like really got so up to the point where I would actually invest. But uh, what is some advice that you would give to a new investor in cryptocurrency? Um, I would say start slow. Um, okay. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, this is not financial advice, of course, but Bitcoin and Ethereum are, you know, solid, uh, are solid picks. You know, I think the most important thing might be Uh, for you to buy a small amount and just interact with everything. So, you know, be aware of how do you create a wallet, a digital wallet? How can you securely save it? How can you add funds to that wallet? Uh, and then, you know, just really try to interact with uh, all the basic DeFi protocols. So we have DEXs, so decentralized exchanges where you can exchange assets and really just go from there. Just really try to understand how these products and these decentralized products currently operate and how can you you know benefit from that so uh yeah because this is just a really good big and rabbit hole that you will start with there's so many DeFi innovation at the moment and yeah you just should put a small amount that you are willing to lose and just go there and test all these financial products and these financial um yeah products that are are, are built for for everybody to, to use okay 
And uh, like, um, can you tell us anything regarding your experience in this club? I'm a new um, individual in this club and I'm like really enjoying it. We have all these opportunities and things, but uh, what do you remember from Itik? Any special thing? Yeah, Itik was really cool. Okay. Um, I think, you know, people there were really open to new ideas and changes. I was able to, for instance, to create a new department, which is the Quantity Strategies Department, uh, where I assemble a team and we basically build cool stuff, people, really smart people, uh, just, you know, doing finance stuff together, right? So, yeah, well, so I also introduced like the blockchain report, which is kind of cool as well. I hope they still do it today, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like what I remember from Antique was really like, really cool people, um, really young people, but really cool people, really with a thirst for knowledge and to uh, go for it, um, enter the financial markets and do stuff. And yeah, really cool people, really good dinners at, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we were very happy to have you here with us and we thank you a lot for your insights. We think they would be very beneficial to our listeners. And yeah. We are very happy to that you are here with us. <laughs> awesome, my pleasure. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, and guys. Like for this first episode, as the first host, me and Benjamin of um, this episode on Have a Seat with Itik, we want to thank you for your attention in listening this podcast, and we hope that you enjoyed every information and that we hope that you learned something new about cryptocurrency from a different perspective and from a person uh, like Tiago, who has experience now in this field. And if you are interested in, interested in topics like uh, finance, investments, or business, uh, we will be here with you with much more episodes going on. And I would also like to point out that um, if you want to, you could look at our latest article in the Economic Journal for Smart Cities, which is developed by Rodrigue Gouveia. And if you have any thoughts or opinions on today's episode or the topic in general, feel free to share your thoughts with us at ETIC. And if you have any suggestions and feedback for this episode or future episodes as well. So... Um, Until then, goodbye from ET Club and thank you again very much, Tiago. My pleasure. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers, bye.